Hello and welcome to Just Skimming the Surface. I'm your host, Wesley W. Skim Milk Skim. I'm here today with Asa Wallace. Hello, Asa. Hi. Hey. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm a little sleepy, but I did take a nap before this. Yeah, so. you told me. Nice fat nap. Yeah, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle ground of like just rested just enough up, yeah. and slept enough. Ooh, we like that ground. Yeah, we like that ground. It's it's like. In that ground, you feel like, you know, you could sleep again. Yeah, I you could. You have that option. I could sleep right now if I like, wanted to. Right now, yeah. on air, sleep for like yeah. the next 20 minutes, and I'll just keep it recording. Yeah, and then it would be ASMR. Yeah. Because I would snore. Everyone, everyone told me after the live show, they were like, you should do a Just Giving the Surface ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I don't know about all that. But, yeah. you know, you know I'm, open to, I'm open to new experiences. Yeah, I think, it, I think it'd work out a lot. <laughs> So Asa is here today to talk about art. Yeah. He really enjoys art. Yeah, in a super general, not Just, at all pretentious kind of sense. Um, I do like art. Oh, yes. Mm, mm, yes, quite. Yeah. Mm. Art. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, I don't know, I don't know really where to like where to start begin. with it. You well, know? I think the best place to start is from the beginning. <laughs> so... You want to just lie down in my little counselor couch here, and uh, I'll be your therapist for the next hour. Yeah, okay, um, go for it. So, so basically, tell me where your interest for art began. Like, where did you f- start to feel that this was for you? Well, I mean, I grew up in an artist's family. Uh-huh. Uh, I I didn't come from like a, a like a very science or STEM heavy background. I didn't. My my parents. Um, my dad was uh, a custodian for most of his life. Like he was just a janitor, um, and my mom was a, a postal carrier. Uh-huh. Like she was a mail carrier, um, and that was their job. But you know, at home, it was constantly like cartoons, reading, music. Um, like my dad had this whole wall of like CDs. He um, he used to he used to have like a whole wall of cassettes, but then he traded them out for CDs. You know, because oh, yeah. obsolete. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, Gotta and change with the time. Yeah, and I mean, I, I grew up constantly surrounded by media in many different forms, talking about, you know, what things meant or, like, you know, focus more so in that realm than I think any other. Um, and so, I mean, I grew up with art. I grew up, it, it was, you know, what our family did. Um, and in many different purposes of art, too, because I know that, like, you know, there's art for art's sake. There's kind of like, you know, like a TYA kind of mindset. Yeah, like, edu- like Yeah, like educational kind of art, you know. Um, I, I grew up doing uh, VBS, like Vacation Bible School, um, oh. which basically is like for like a couple weeks during summer, um, you would like go to a church and you there'd be like a theme or something. Yeah. Um, and like what was cool about it was my mom would usually try to help with like she would create designs um she would build puppets um and she used puppetry and like other like she was an incredible like uh visual artist Mm. like she's really good at like sketches and like like realistic work whereas my dad you know he was super into cartoons he could do voices really well like he was you know he he had like a whole um he really idolized uh mel blank you know as most voice actors do you know and like he had his whole repertoire and he would you know throw it out like he would you know yell at me as like <laughs> you know voice, Yosemite Sam or something Yosemite he, Sam. you know what I mean like 
just I never fragging varmint. Yeah, you know, and I think that like the different purposes of art uh, allow for like a, a wide exploration of what it is. Yeah, you know, and so like being raised by parents who were artists, you know, who like didn't do that as their job, but had it as their perspective yeah. with how they saw life through. I thought was very beneficial for me. And then when it came to my siblings, I have two sisters. Um, the oldest one, she wanted to do film. It didn't really work out, mm. you know, as, as things do because um, my family ha- went through a lot of hardship. Um, the I, I know like a lot of people kind of in the mid 2000s, the, the, the housing crisis, yeah. you know, it hit my family too. Mm. Um, and so my sister, my oldest, she uh, kind of started to help the family she took over okay, um, so she financially. Kind of yeah. Household. Yeah. And so like she was the main breadwinner, but uh, my other sister, uh, she, she was in an Academy. I know at, at ball state, they have this program where for high schoolers that your last couple of years, you can go to ball state and do high school in a college setting. Hmm. Like you take like, you know, advanced classes and basically it's like, it's like AP classes pretty much, but like a little higher, higher there, you know, like it's, you're going to ball state for high school. Yeah. You know, which it it was a really incredible opportunity. But after that, she went to Columbia college, Chicago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which I know that you have history. Yeah. Um, Went there for a year. Yeah. And she was, she went, went there for four years, but, um, she was lucky enough to get an opportunity to be an intern there. Yeah. At, at, an intern at uh, Warner Brothers Studios. Um, oh, and, that's amazing. Yeah. So she she was working in California throughout college, like in and out. Like she would, you know, go to school in Chicago for the year and then go to California, work over the summer and then go back and forth. That's cool. Um, wow. Like some of her mentors are um, Spike Brandt and Tony Cervone which are the directors for Space Jam, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, she worked on, like, these, like, individual Tom and Jerry pieces um, that they did. Like, there was one that was, like, Wizard of Oz. There was one where, like... Oh, was, I've seen that. Yeah, it was, like, Sherlock Holmes. There's another yeah. one. Um, I think the the really... The most artistic one that she did was the John Cena WWE one. You know what I With mean? With Tom and Jerry? Yeah, there was a Tom and Jerry... I think it was. Or maybe yeah, Scooby-Doo Scooby or Doo something. One. There was a Scooby-Doo. I... Th- I, th- I th- it the might Scooby be one Doo of them. John Cena yeah. one was amazing. Yeah, it was she like Triple H that. was on it. Yeah, Ooh, wow. I don't Props know. To her. Yeah, it's That's but amazing. I know. I mean, like this is my family, and so like for me, like coming up, I, you know, I, I didn't. I was nervous too because I saw like I like all my family. I looked up to them. Yeah. Um, and I never. I didn't do. Um, I didn't do theater. I I drew a lot, and I would like listen to music, but I never really thought I could sing. I just, I tried to, I tried to stay away because I like my family had such, you know, high, not necessarily expectations, but like taste, Mm. you know? Yeah. And so for me, it's like, I grew up, you know, emulating their taste. And then like, I tried to do stuff and I was like, "Eh, I'm not really that good. When I was like, you know, like seventh grade. I get you. But, um, when I was in high school, then I started to try theater um, my first show was Footloose the Musical. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I played I played Cowboy Bob. Um, oh boy. Yeah. So he was like this this like rock and roll singer, and I it, having like it was it was such a it was like I had to do it. You know. Yeah. It was a very it was a very strong experience, and it was you know visceral, 
um, like Cowboy Bob opens the second act. You know, like he he the the curtains open and he has to like sing this song and like for someone who had never really done anything before, that was just like you know push yeah, push into the pool thing, moment. Yeah. You know, um, I'm gonna be completely honest. I've never seen Footloose in its entirety. That's a okay. It's a problem. I, yeah, I mean, like it's a. I think it's a good movie. It's fun. <laughs> it's a good. It's a fun musical. I think it's perfect for high schools. It's you know, it's an excuse to dance a lot. It's yeah. an excuse. This it's fun. And it's fun to sing, and like there's a lot of a wide range of music, and it's you know, it has a lot of the classic um, themes of like you know, I don't like you, Dad, or I don't like you, older people, and the older people are like, well, I don't like you so much either, and then at the end they're like, oh, we can recognize that we're just from different generations, or you know, I just care about you, kiddos, you know? Yeah, it's it's just I don't know, but I mean, at the same time too, I was exploring like. Um, music production like I, I mean I did a lot of work in garage band um, okay. but I wanted to for some time uh, work in video games and like do like composition games, or something composition. you know like that's cool like a uh, musical comp- uh, composition um, and I thought that was what I was going to do I know for a long time like throughout high school I wanted to do something in video games whether it was like writing or as I said you know composition hmm. um, and I started to do work down that, uh, go down that road. But then, you know, as I started to get closer to the end of high school, I was like, you know, what am I, I don't know what I want to do. Cause I knew that if I were to go down the music path and I, I wouldn't know if I could go to college for it. Yeah. I would like, would I have to take time to like develop more of a sense? Cause I went, I wasn't like practicing music, you know, I played here and there. Um, but I did, I, I didn't know what to do, but I noticed that, you know, I had been doing theater for three years, you know, because I started my sophomore year, um, and I was like, "Well, this is this is what I have been doing. This feels right." And I, to like looking back on it, like in hindsight, I was just like, um, "Why didn't I want? Why why haven't I been pursuing theater specifically?" You know. And so I was talking to my my teacher and my drama teacher out there, hmm. um, and I was like, "You know, I don't know. Is this what I want to do?" Like. You know, and she's like, well, why, why not? And I was like, I don't know. I'm scared. Like, I don't know if I could. Yeah, and she's like, well, that's, that's a nerve wracking. And she's like, well, that's a stupid reason. <laughs> you know, it's like if you're scared to do it, I mean, like you can. I mean, you can do it. There's no reason not to. You know, if, if that's what it is, I mean. Yeah. That's what she meant. But I mean, so I've been I've been pursuing theater since, you know, like more specifically as like a job or like a like what I want to do in the future. Um, and then when I like now coming here, like I've been working and I've, I haven't pulled away from any of the other art that was in my life. You know, I haven't pulled away from some of like the mentalities I haven't pulled away from, you know, I, I, I seek out art, but I don't like stay in the theater realm, you know? And so, um, I think all of like my, my, my ideas uh, really culminated in studio, studio of the South this past semester. Uh-huh. Um, cause I, I think that basically what, what happened with that was I, I started, uh, I wanted to do a play. I wanted to direct a play for free stage. I knew I wanted to do something. Yeah. Um, and so I was looking through a bunch of work and, um, I found there was, uh, Chuck me, uh, he's a playwright. Chuck me. Yeah, and he basically his whole gig is he is 
one of the few I think I think it's patron patron playwrights. Basically, there are people who there's like a couple or like a like a um, like an older like wealthy couple who are like, hey, we love your work. We're gonna pay for you to write plays, That's and we cool. just want to we just want you to keep writing because we like you as an artist. Yeah. Um, and so he's been doing that forever, but he's like. He's known for his, you know, really, really weird work. You know, he has like, so like he avant garde, yeah. Kind of stuff. And so, like, um, what I I was going through his stuff, and I found a play called Van Gogh's Sunflowers. Yeah, um, I remember that being the first one that you proposed, right? Yeah, and so that was that was the initial name of his work. Um, and when I was like, when I was researching him, basically, his whole his artistic ideal is uh, taking older work or taking. Uh, like work that is outside of kind of theater, you know, like literary text and turning it into shows and turning it into theater. Kind of and like then, ekphrasis kind of right. Yeah. Ekphrasis? Ekphrasis. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. I just know because I'm doing a unit for Yuhai uh, on ekphrastic poetry. Oh, so yeah. So it's just like poetry about works of art. So oh, you take, yeah. Like, a work of art, like a painting, and you write a poem on it. Oh, that's like, pretty about cool. what it makes you feel and everything like that. Yeah. And so that's kind of what this play sounds like. It sounds like an ekphrastic writing. Well, basically, what, what was cool about what he did was he he went on to, if you, I mean, if you type in Van Gogh's letters, um, there's a website, I think, just straight up called that. And it's a an online archive of all of the letters that have been, that were sent from Van Gogh and then to Van Gogh. Like all of these like conversations, because I mean they've they've all been collected. They're all like kept somewhere safe, but then they were all digital like digitized, yeah. put online. You can read through them, um, and he took a bunch of separate uh, pieces of text, like chunks of text, uh, from these letters, and he built it into the show. Um, and something like I mean that that was this kind of headier part of the show, like more logic, um, but. Away from that, there was this kind of uh, this this right brain, uh, very abstract uh, parts of the show that were like I know there was like a woman who her her whole head was an eye, and then she huh. was with a cubist man, and then they would like come in and they would walk on stage, and then she would sing this beautiful aria, and then they would dance together. How and... would she sing if she's just a giant eye? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so like there's and then there's like a man who. Um, he was like, he would put, take this box and he'd put it on stage and he'd take a, a wine bottle and he'd throw the wine bottle into the box and then do a headstand into the box. And then you'd be like, oh, cool. He's going to like, he did this like crazy feat, but then he would pull his head out of the box and it'd be covered in like blood and glass. You know what I mean? Uh, no, I don't know. What <laughs> it's just all of these, all of these, you know, like kind of these pictures you know, and okay. these really abstract. So taking like abstract paintings and work and kind of just putting them on. Not even stage necessarily, or? not even necessarily work, but kind of like the ideas behind work. Oh, okay. So like there is a man who is cubist, like he represents this style or this the understanding style. Okay. of work. Um, there's a third character because it's it's Van Gogh, it's his brother Theo, and then uh, Theo is in the original text. Theo is off stage. He's just a voice. Um, and Van Gogh is alone on stage, kind of just like working in this world. And uh, there's a third person who is a guy in a cart who just talks loudly. Mm. He's just a guy who like he wheels in his cart at the some somewhere at the top of the show, and then just randomly will yell you know, stuff sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like like 
they I they don't I don't know how much they specifically connect to real works of art. I'm not sure. I think they're more meant to just be like you know, uh, things for people to bounce off of like aesthetically or like in a very vague like abstract sense. Yeah, something um, to draw some sort of meaning from. Yeah, and so but like as I was reading this, I was thinking like, how would I do this for free stage? You know, because obviously yeah, you can find you the actors. You know, and like you could try to like fit it in the audience, but um, I think I the the guy with the with the head in the box, like this kind of like acrobatic work. I thought about Gamify Circus, like if I could yeah. find somebody from Gamify who, who could do a headstand, a you know, like do yeah. stuff like that. And I thought, you know, if we're there is a part of the show too where there was like a mannequin, a, like a woman would bring in a mannequin. And she would dress it and paint on it and like like create with the mannequin in that moment. And I thought, why why not just get a painter? You know, or like why not, you know, if we're gonna have we could put music in the show. I know there's a train. This train is yeah. gonna I'm gonna send a very strongly worded letter to the trains. <laughs> yeah. I love trains. I don't they, why 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 do they even need horns anymore? I thought they got rid of the horns. Yeah, well I mean I think out here they need they need it the most because i mean the kids are kids are well the trains are they keep stopping out here i mean is yeah, that still a problem all the time. i don't yeah, know if that still, still is but i know they they were that was a pretty bad you know, it, kids it, were climbing over cars yeah they don't know what to do. so they're like I, I need to get to my class and they'll just like walk through it it's, it's crazy like, you know all right I don't tangent know. over yeah <laughs> by trains um but i started to think more about like um one of the, the the biggest the biggest thing about Chuck Mee's work is that it's it's he he specifically writes it for you to mess with it. Okay. He wants you to break it apart and use it in a different facet. I mean, he kind of wants you to take it because that's what he did. Yeah, you know. So what he did was he found Van Gogh's letters and he made his own show and he added these abstract elements and he's like, you can do this for free without rights or anything. You don't even have to put my name on it. But if you can, if you could twist it in a good enough way, so I thought about it. It's like, well, I mean, I could do this show. I could, you know, kind of take some of the ideas from it, you know, and put up his play, but twist it to to fit what we need here, you know. And something that I I've always been aware of is the fact that you know, all of our separate departments are very disconnected, you know. When it, oh, and yeah. by departments, I mean College Each of Fine Arts. Every you know? single thing in the college, like it's. The only thing I've ever seen collaboration on is, I mean, I guess the dance piece because they use our yeah. space and everything, but also the uh, the opera when they did that. Yeah. But I, and I, even I, then, I, even then, it just seems like there's this huge disconnect and stigma. You know, yeah. there's there's a lot of people who, um, like, are not really a big fan of stepping out of their realm, or, yeah. or like they kind of have already preconceived notions of the other realms. Um, and I think, I mean, I was, it's frustrating because I mean, like for me, you know, as I described prior, it's like I have this art background and I would love to, you know, be able to interact with artists that are not theater, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, I want to be able to step out, but there's no community kind of built. And I think, I don't think I'm alone in that. No, you know? you're not. I don't, I mean, yeah. Just today in uh, iStop, um, this uh, student came in talking about wanting to do some collaboration between the, uh, art schools and everything That's cool. because he has some sort of um, band thing that he does with like musicians outreach yeah. 
um, finding like live music with DJs and bands and everything, doing like house shows. And he said that he wanted to like work with the groups on campus to Mm -hmm. sort of do events and everything like that. So yeah, it it seems like there's a lot of people who want to do it, but nothing is happening. Yeah, and and so like I I wanted to tackle that. I I I saw this work that had such like a it was so ripe for for changing mm, and for ripe, messing with ripe exactly the picking yeah you know and so I wanted I really wanted to do it after that once I started to really kind of visualize that I was like this is what I want to do um, I knew I didn't want to step into it planning anything because I knew that you know the other artists they're like you know they're the masters of their realm you know yeah. like if I were to have a painter or a musician I would want them to be you know, their representative to come in and say, this is what I do. So I feel about it. Yeah. Not and just then, someone who's a, an actor saying like, Oh, I have to be a painter. Now. Yeah. Or like me being a director and saying, Oh, but like, this is how it's going to go. Yeah. You know? And so, um, I was able, I was, um, lucky enough to get it, you know, accepted through free stage. Um, I worked, I worked and talked to a couple people. Um, my advisor was Kiyo Nam. Uh, he yeah. was incredibly helpful. Um, he was able to give me some kind of uh, scholarly background for okay. stuff. So, I mean, like, uh, there's this... It was at um, Black Mountain College. Um, and this this is, like, uh, a really seminal avant-garde, uh, like, moment, I guess would be the term. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was, like, 50s and 60s. But um, John Cage, he's a musician. And he's he's known... Uh, something that he's known for is something called 433, which is a musical piece, which is four minutes and 33 seconds of silence. It's just rest. It's all rest. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's, it's funny because he will, you know, he'll give this to an orchestra and an orchestra will just. And they'll just. Sit and there. then play for four, four minutes and 33 seconds of rest. Rest. So, you know, how do you. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how you can get away with calling that your own composition. Yeah. You know, but it, like. <laughs> kind of makes me mad. The way that he, the way that he, he describes his work is that he's in, um, he organizes sounds. He doesn't, it's not about like the feeling necessarily. It's not about, you know, like creating music that sounds like, you know, like Bach or something. It's not about that. It's more so like organizing sounds. And he talks about, um, there's a really cool YouTube video of him talking about like traffic and how traffic is very harmonious and like Mm. the sounds that you hear, like when you're in a city and how they all kind of, you know, oddly work together. Yeah. He has a lot of music like that. Um, and he's known for it. And it's, it was him and Merce Cunningham, um, who he was, he was a dancer who separately had the idea of like, uh, movement was what dance was. Yeah. And, and, and cause it, cause for him, he considered like walking, walking, standing, sitting like just kind of normal body gestures just as important as like a pirouette oh yeah you know and stuff like that and like um he built uh he built dance pieces in a similar mindset to how john cage looks at music and so when they met at black mountain college they you know obviously vibed to a good degree and they were like this like working duo um and so eventually there is this thing called theater piece number one which was basically them two, and then I think a couple of artists in this uh, like mangle of a space, and like all these artists would basically just work at the same time, and all do it was performance art, but 
but it was theater, and but it was also like this music and this dance. There's all these things okay. happening at On once, the stage and at one time. it that's that inevitably became a new form called a happening. You know where like, you know, because it's not necessarily story driven. There's no story to follow. It's just a bunch of stuff happening at the same time. Yeah, and Finding then you kind of take your meaning. Yeah, you know, or the disconnect or the and why disconnect. you know. Yeah, and, it's basically something that any audience member can come in and take something different out of. Yeah, it. you know, and like you can see it multiple times and find different perspectives. And I I really enjoy that about theater because theater is you know, if there is ever like a more finite form of art, it's theater. It's like you literally have to be there mm-hmm. to really see it, you know. And I know like when you're in theater, you kind of try to work to this point where you can consistently do it. Yeah, you can, you can like, hit that moment every single night, you know, which is which not easy. is not easy. And also at the same time, kind of you can't, you really can't. It's yeah, impossible can, to do something you know? the same way every single night. Impossible. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I love, you know, walking into a project knowing that I want this to be different every single time it's done, oh, yeah. you know, and hopefully in drastic ways or even small ways, you know. Um, so that was another mentality going in. Um, and once it was accepted from free stage, um, I was able to cast it. I was able to find the, the, the artists, um, and we started rehearsals and a lot of rehearsals, um, were kind of just, you know, letting them go, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, the first week we started, cause we didn't have like a solid script yet. Cause, um, what I, what I, I gave them a period of time, uh, specifically, um, when Van Gogh is in Saint Remy, or Saint Remy, um, basically he was he was in a mental institution for some time. It was directly after he um, his ear was cut off. Okay. Um, and I know that he he was dealing with a lot of his mental illness at the time, and he voluntarily checked himself into this mental institution, and so I I told um, the people in the cast I was like, you have from like this letter to this letter to find stuff. And then, like, I'll like I'll bookend the show with text, but you guys find stuff, you know, because I wanted I wanted to make sure every single word, every single letter that was used, um, was something that hit the people that were working with it, you know. And so we we you know as a this whole group made made this show together. Um, and then when we started rehearsing, we 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 didn't we we weren't at that point yet, right? The first week or so was, um, I know Emily Vale or M. Vale, she brought in, uh, she brought in a Sylvia Plath poem and we worked poetry for a while, um, just because, just to get the idea of tech, uh, like text. And, um, we had each separate day of rehearsal would be the actors and they would kind of work by themselves for a little bit, but then we would put one artist in. So like, I know, I think we started with, um, Danny, he was our musician. Um, he would play the piano and then they would kind of like, improv off of each other they would you know perform and then he would play off of them he would play music to mess with them or to like kind of direct the piece in his own way you know and then the next day we had bailey and um uh, bailey riser she's a dancer so she would dance and then like her like movements would work into the same kind of into the piece at the same time yeah and then the next day we had um athena's lot um she she's this incredible painter um, and she would uh, watch them and then she would paint or she would 
uh, try to pick up cues off of their text. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like the first week or so was everybody kind of getting to know each other in their forms, you know, or in like the way that they work. And then um, as time went on, we started to, you know, we had a script eventually. <laughs> and then we, we started to work with the text of the show. Um, and we really, we really took our time going through it. Um, but it was, it was quite a, like, a, not yeah. a slow pace, but we, we took the time to really explore. Yeah, because it sounds like a process that you, <coughs> you really need the time to just spend with it. Yeah. It needs time to just spend doing, just doing. Yeah. You know? And so, like, we, we eventually got to the, got to the point where it, we had to, to form it a little bit more. Uh-huh. Cause you know, I mean, the thing, the thing is with device theater, um, is that it takes a very, very long time, longer than you expect. Oh yeah. Like more, uh, more often than not device theater takes about like maybe even eight, nine months, you know, and we had about two, two or three. Yeah. Device you know, so, theater isn't just improv. You know? Yeah. It's got, Cause it, it's got thought behind it. And it's about taking time to like, you know, question it as it's happening, you know, to, you know, bring in, uh, elements that can contrast or, you know, how can we fit this perspective in, you know, like, you know, are we missing this voice? How do we put it in? You yeah. know, how and do I we think, include everything. Yeah. And so we, we were like, we were looking for like a quality of the show as well. I know for me, like a lot of like kind of directing for aesthetic, but then also directing for story, you know, directing for feeling, which I mean, is also kind of hard to do because, you know, when, when, when you, when you work with an actor, when you're directing an actor, you're kind of playing an inception game, Oh yeah. you know? So you have to kind of like get them to think what you're thinking, you know, and then have that back and forth, you know, cause it is a back and forth. It's yeah, not, it's, a, it's, it's not just you controlling someone. It's a cooperative someone. process. But, but at this, you want them to kind of get to the idea that you have as well, you know? And then like when you're working with like a pianist, you can just be like, can you just play it sadder? And they're like, okay, cool dope and then they do it you know and it's but you can't really do that with an actor so it's like you have to play so many different there's so many different tactics you have to as like a coordinator right i i I tried to take the the label of curator more than director because i thought that like all these people are making all of this art you know i'm just trying to you know say maybe this would work with like the idea that we had or like where do you think it should go or like encouraging people to you know, contrast more or say like, you can affect this person by doing this. Yeah. You know, we can, the audience will be affected if you to do this to somebody or like, you know, I know, I know a big one was, um, Athena, she would paint, but she was very focused on the painting. She would, you know, kind of stay with it most of the time. Um, but towards the end, we, we asked her to step away from it and she would have these incredible, like really beautiful moments of her pulling away and, not just observing and then like, you know, immediately, you know, putting on the, on the canvas, but like really observing, you know, and you could still see her working in a way. Yeah. It was just, you could see the process in her face. And I thought like, you know, it was just all of this stuff was happening, but it couldn't have happened without them. Yeah. You know, it couldn't have happened without like, you know, cause I think the hope was, and I think it was accomplished was for have everybody on their game. Mm-hmm. And to encourage everybody to like to be on their game and to you know, like validating them and helping them understand that like your art is your expressive tool, and like what you feel in this moment, you can express it, you know. And I think that everybody 
felt that and everybody felt very safe and comfortable with each other and it it created really really incredible art you know that was different from anything that they separately could have done mm-hmm. you know and it was about the relationships between all of them you know yeah yeah um so what would you think would be different in your results if one of those arts was just not in the piece i don't know i don't think i don't think it would have had the the breadth of experience i don't think it would have hit so close to the core of what we do um because the thing is is like like when it comes to music for example like music is a very and we learned this in the process too it's a very powerful form right oh, yeah. i mean like if you if you play the piano not it's not even just about how loud it can be right it's about like you know <coughs> the word isn't distracting right but like it is a voice it's yeah. a very loud voice yeah. you know and it's a voice that i think we as humans are very attuned to just being you know creatures that you know like if birds can hear each other through music you know we mm-hmm. we do as well it's a visceral feeling for oh us. yeah of course and so, like, if we had removed any sort of music from the show, it would have just been dead air, you know? And then there wouldn't have been this, it you know? It would have given off a different sort of yeah. vibe, a different sort of message. It's silence, you know? And yeah. I think that that would, have, that would have allowed for maybe more, like, maybe more of, like, a blobbiness to it. It would have taken some of the rhythm out. It might have, you know, allowed for, you know, abstract movement. But, like, where, where would they go, you know? Yeah. But then... I think it's easy, it might be easy to say, like, well, what if you took the painting out, you know? And I think, like, maybe we benefited from this process because it was about Van Gogh. Because if we, you know, if we had not no painting elements in a show about a painter, (laughs) probably would have been, you know what I mean? People would have been very confused. Yeah, it would have been, like, why? You know, but I think that, like, what the painting did, and I I realized this even recently because I met with Kuhn, um, to talk about some stuff and he still has the canvases from the performances and I was looking at them and it's like she Athena like really felt and experienced these shows really internalized a lot of the like the ideas behind it and you can see it in her work like you can see it in those paintings you know and I think that like something that theater doesn't get to do is be immortal yeah it doesn't it's so alive and then it dies. It, it's very ephemeral in that. Yeah, and, it's only alive when it's happening. Yeah, and but what I thought was incredible was Athena was able to take this in, you know, take this ephemeral thing, take all the ideas and the experiences of it, and then immortalize it. And without that, I think the show, you know, it would not have been the same. Yeah, you know, it, it would. No matter it, what art you take away, yeah. it totally changes. The entire message of the piece, yeah, which is just interdisciplinary arts. And yeah, how how do we find our art connected to other forms of art? Yeah, and I think I think what was good. Another big lesson from the project was there's no there's going to be no uh, there's no answer like that's out there that like you can like read. Yeah, you know, it's like get into a room with another artist and explore. You know, like start, you know, it's kind of just pressing the play button. Because I know like, you know, if, if we had, I know if we had probably just jumped into the room, something might have happened. Right. But I know that like we couldn't have planned any of the things that happened. You yeah, know, it probably wouldn't have been as deep. 
yeah emotional yeah and it wouldn't have had all that background yeah you know and i thought that it definitely you know it, it was it was also interesting because i know that like with the the theatrical aspect of it like you know because we had two actors in the show we had M and then we had gwen and we like I, I i realized kind of in the like later on in the process that like you know that and that was a little show that was kind of inside of this work you know and i think that it was cool to realize that i had to direct them as if this was you know this piece right like we are the theater element and it made me understand more what a director is, I think, in that. Because I I know for a good chunk of the process, I kind of just wanted to leave them be. I wanted them to explore and figure out things, you know. And this it's nothing on them. But I, I think I realized that, like, as a director, it's it, 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 as, a, as an actor, I mean, it's hard to uh, kind of walk into, like, this abstract realm without properly knowing what to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously there are autonomous actors out there. You know, but I think that, especially here, I guess, in college, but just in a general sense, I mean, like, actors need to work with directors. You know, we... Yeah, I, we... Think, I think when it comes to educational theater, um, a lot of the times, actors, the actors who are students, mm-hmm. are, they're just looking to learn. They, they yeah. Wanna, they want to know what they have to do. Yeah. Um, and I know my experience with community theater... Mm-hmm. is the actors always seem to know what to do. I put air quotes around yeah. that because, like, sometimes they don't. Yeah. They, they know what they think they should do. Yeah. And there's less of, like, a collaborative process mm-hmm. in some of the community theater stuff that I've seen Yeah, than in educational theater. Yeah. Because you have everyone who's learning from each other, and it is a collaborative process yeah. all the way through, all the way through. And everyone's cooperating and learning from each other. And as soon as um, one person doesn't cooperate with that, it kind of throws the whole thing off track. Yeah, it's weird, you know? And I think that, like, as a director, you know, especially in this realm, it's it's about helping everybody see, you know, like, there is more that you might not know. There is a lot that you do know, though. You know, there is, you know, it's about, you know validation understanding who these artists are who these actors are you know and then like working with them because you know it's like when you're 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 an orator right but you're also an interpreter yeah you know you are taking this in and you're feeling it and then you're like releasing it from you and i thought that um i thought that it was cool because you know you need help in that you know, it's it's hard to be alone in that mm-hmm. realm. It can be overwhelming, you know, because I know like stepping to, you know, stepping to someone like Van Gogh, you know, I think all of us understand who he is to such a degree, you know, or at least have an, a notion of who he could be. Yeah. And then, you know, having to interpret him, whether or not you're a dancer or a musician or an actor, it's it's could be it could feel like a daunting task. But I think everybody got to that point, you know, pretty early on, too. That they got to the point where they could be like, you know, this is this is how I feel about it, and this is how I want to talk about it. Yeah, which allowed for more creation and refining that creation, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure, <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, from earlier on in your story, you kind of got your interest in theater just from the hobbies of yeah. your family. It didn't really seem like 
besides your sister, it didn't seem like anyone was really doing it as their job. Yeah, and I, th- and I think I think that really that really helps artists draw from. I, I there's a difference between yeah. artists who do it for a living and artists who do it for a hobby. Yeah. Uh, what What would you kind of describe for that difference there? Well, I mean, because you've worked with both. I really do believe that it is it is one hundred percent. A case per case answer. Mm-hmm. It always is. It's always gonna be. And it, you know, like for example, like my dad, he wanted to be an actor. Like he wanted to be an actor or a voice actor. He wanted to work in cartoons. He wanted to do all these different things, right? But you know, then he like met my mom, and like they they dated for many years, um, and they worked together a lot. Like they collaborated. Like I know they did like haunted houses and stuff together. Um, my, as I said, my mom makes puppets, but she would, you know, she would act with, with him a little bit. She would write, like hold the camera. She would, you know, uh, do like makeup for him and stuff like that. Um, and he found, you know, a lot of love in that and he was able to continue to create and express, but, you know, unfortunately, like you have to survive. Yeah. You know, you have to, you know, work, you have to make money, you know, not everyone can make it. In yeah. the industry. And and like he, you know, then he he had kids, you know, like like and then like when you have kids, you you have like somebody has to stay home and somebody has to take care of those kids and like, you know, it just like it kind of leaves you, you know? Yeah. So for for us, you know, for you know, being their kids, we very much so understood where they were artistically, but we also understood how they were unable to do those things. You know, something happened or something got in the way of it. You know, and I know that each of us in our own separate ways are like, we're not going to let that happen. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, my sister is out in California. She's doing stuff. You know, I'm in college. I'm like, I hope to, you know, continue to do things in art um, for the rest of my life and make it a priority um, and see like the balance because it is a hard balance, you know, and I'm not, I'm not here to say that like my family failed or any sort of sense, but I know like priorities become priorities, you know? And so... The question that you did ask, though, was about, like, hobbies versus, like, doing it as a career. And it's, like, doing it as a career, you have to have a very, very different mindset. Because when you do it as a career, it's not about... um, I I think, like, a pretentious answer, I could say, would be, like, you kind of have to not do it for yourself. Yeah. You know, you have to do it for the mainstream. You know, like, if if you want to be an actor... It's not necessarily about chasing the projects that you really are deeply interested in. It's about finding a job. It's about finding a gig, you know, or like, I'm going to do theater here. And so we focus so much on like our, um, our work ethic so that like people like, you know, respect our work ethic so much that they want to keep working with us and then we'll just keep getting jobs. And it's like, I mean, artistically, they all serve you, right? But some serve you more than others. But then you always, I mean... Like, some people are lucky enough to understand where they are artistically. Or, like, this is what I want to do, you know. And you don't really get a chance to chase it if you're, you know, playing in that realm. Or if you're playing it that way. Does does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so, like, but if you treat it like a hobby, and I think I'm going to twist that a little bit. If you treat it, you know, more for what it is, is for, like, expression or, yeah, like, expression. you follow how you feel. As an outlet. You know, because if it's a hobby, then you don't have any pressures. You don't have this expectation for, like, you know, I have to do this. I have to, you know, like... Yeah, you this know. is how I make my living. I have to get this done. Yeah, you know, it's like, I have to do my Shakespeare scene. 
Like I have to go home. I have to memorize. I have to do that. And I learn from it. It's beneficial. Oh, yeah. It's fun. It's fun to do. I love it, you know, but I'm not doing it for me. You know, I'm not, I'm, I am, and it is benefiting me and I'm doing it, but it's work, you know, but like when I think about studio, when I find other dis- interdisciplinary stuff, I know that that's where I want to be, you know, and eventually like, you know, when you, when you chase stuff like that enough, then it becomes the job and then you find other stuff. Like something I, I, I and I absolutely love this. I, I'm so proud of her for it. Um, my sister, she, um, she's out in California right now and she actually met this question you know, very much like, you know, in its purest form because she works in the animation industry. Yeah. Right. She works for like, you know, like Warner brothers and all these different, you know, that's very different than the people who are on YouTube. And that's, that's an insane amount of pressure, constant work. And she lost a lot of her, her care, you know, a lot of her, you know, cause I mean, she, she did it really well, but then like, you know, the, all the politics and all like the way that things work out there, it is frustrating. It is, you know, hard. And, it pushes you to make that art your job oh, yeah. because then you are efficient. Then you can work on things, you know, blah, 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 capitalism, blah, 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 <laughs> you know? But what she did was she was like, I need an art that is outside of this that I can truly just express in, just create in. Right. She also at the same time was like, I'm, I'm not satisfied with my body or how I look at my body. Um, and so she started to take pole classes, pole dancing classes, and she, for the past few years, she's been a pole dancer and she's been working and she uses it as her, she performs like it's a way for her. Cause I mean, she did theater in high school too. Yeah. Um, but she is able to perform. She's able to, you know, be physically fit. She's able to create, she doesn't have any of these kind of pressures or expectations, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's, you know, it's. It's such a balance. It's such a line. Because if, if you want to do something bad enough, you want to make it your life, but then, you know, you have a social pressure to do it in a certain way so that you can make money on it, and then, you know, something is lost. It's it's a constant juggling act. Exactly. You know? So, so it's like there's no way we're ever <coughs> going to find that balance. Yeah. But I think just finding a way to just express yourself yeah. really helps. And I think, like, you know, going back to Van Gogh, even... Like Van Gogh is, everybody you know knows the classic tragic tale of him was that like, you know he constantly was working, but never really got any esteem, never really made money off of it. Um, but he, he, you know there's an argument to be made about how much he benefited by being true to himself. He stayed true, continued to express in his facet. He worked in a way that people didn't get, didn't understand, didn't like, you know. But then they looked at it and they were like, wow, he was really saying something. Here. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I think it's about, I, I mean, I would, I personally, I, I, as an artist would much rather, you know, do work that is true to myself, no matter what the response is, rather than, you know, do something that would hit a wider audience or do something that would, you know, be a little more widely accepted. Because I know that like, you know, when you're looking for like authenticity, when you're looking for like, you know, what you feel, your expressions, you're unique. You know, and you're always going to be. And I know, like, a lot of art is also there for other people to kind of put yourself into. You know, I mean, like, I, I just, I just think that that's where I would like to be personally. And I think, like, yeah, I think I made a point there. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I think I found the point there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, it, it definitely makes sense. It's um, 
you want to be true to yourself in your work because mm-hmm. as soon as you lose that, you lose the purpose of yeah. why you're doing it in the first place. Yeah. As soon as you're just working for that paycheck rather than the the reason why you started doing art. Yeah. It's like, what's the point anymore? Yeah. And that was that was the thing that made me the happiest about studio was that I, I know like everybody, you know, at least from what they told me, I can't assume if they didn't say anything, <laughs> but people would come to me and, you know, from the process and be like, wow, like, I really remember, like, this is, I, I love what I do. Like, me, like, you know, I know Bailey loved it. You know, I love her. She's so good. Um, but she, you know, she found so much validation and she really, you know, found a rekindling in her love for dance, you know? And it's like, I think when you, it's allowing people to be their truest selves and express as their truest selves, you know? And I thought that that was the most beneficial part of it. And I think that that's, it's, <coughs> I'm talking so much. Um, <laughs> I just, it's, it's incredible to see other people feel that validation. It's incredible to see people be able to speak in the way that they love to speak and then, you know, say what they want to say and like be able to walk away from it and, you know, be respected for it. You know, and I think that's what everybody in the studio got to do, you know, at least to some form, you know, in some degree, I mean. But yeah. Yeah. It's a mutual respect for the art between everyone there. And yeah. that's kind of what the whole interdisciplinary yeah. idea is. It's just being able to respect all these forms of art at one time to create one unifying or contrasting piece. Yeah. Uh, something that other people can get something out of. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Quite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean... I think I'm really understanding now more than ever that that's what I want to do. I really want to continue to build experiences that allow others to feel that way, you know? Because I think, like, I wanted to find, you know, for so long a way to, like, help my community in a way that felt true to me, you know? <coughs> and I think this is this is it to some degree, you know? Yeah. I need water. <laughs> well, that's good, because with that, I think we're just skimming the surface. So while you die over there, um, <laughs> thank you so much, Asa. No problem. And talking about your experience and helping just reflect on it. Thinking about, you know, what difference our art makes in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. Thank you. <laughs> And with that, we are just skimming the surface. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcasting service. Don't forget to like W Skim Milk on Facebook and to check out WSkimmilk.com for more about me. This has been Wesley W Skim Milk Skim. Have a great night.